As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 1. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. 2. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. 3. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions and must be 21 or older to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-369. 5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, and 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,500 first bet offer today. Just baseball show on Monday, September 25th. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple, Walker Bueller here in a moment. Before that, is Joey Votto a Hall of Famer? We got to answer that question. Programming note we are talking with Walker and we're talking Votto today. On tomorrow's show, we're going to dive into the wild card because we had a conversation right before we hit record. It was like, I want to talk about the Astros getting swept at home by the Kansas City Royals. But you were like, let's save that for a big thing. And I agree with you. We have a lot to dive into on the wild card front. I think it's probably best that we save it for tomorrow. Couldn't agree with you more. Should we talk Astros now and then kind of do the same thing with them tomorrow? Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. We will talk about the insane wild card chase, both in the American League and in the National League. But let's give Walker his entire episode, right? It seems like it's been a little while since we last heard the news that Walker Bueller will not be returning this season, and we finally get to talk to him about it. You know, his decision, Dodgers' decision, what it means moving forward. I cannot wait to break all of this down with Walker Bueller. And if we did everything in the wild card, we'd be here for two and a half hours, Jack. So yeah. tomorrow's episode is going to be all wild card. This episode, all Walker Bueller. But let's have a quick debate about Joey Votto because is he a Hall of Famer? Last game at Great American Ballpark, maybe. Possibly. Possibly. We'll see. We're going to do that. But before that, I keep forgetting who we're presented by. Can you remind me real quick? The 
The king of sports books, Jack McMullen, bet MGM. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account using promo code JustBaseball. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet, offer and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If it loses, if the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Must be 21 or older and terms and conditions apply. Jack, when you pull up the war leaderboards, Joey Votto is in an interesting spot historically when we look at first baseman. But before we debate whether or not he's a Hall of Famer, he deserves his flowers because this could be his final game at Great American Ballpark that just happened over the weekend. He's making $25 million this year, obviously with a full no trade. Um, club option at $20 million next year in his age 40 season that he hits unrestricted free agency after that. Votto has expressed how much fun he has had in the Cincinnati Reds clubhouse. And this is the first postseason caliber team that he's been on in quite some time. And we went into this year not thinking that they were a postseason caliber team at all. Now, that has something to do with the National League wildcard chase being you know, a bunch of like not good teams. I can't decide. I still can't decide. My brain's in a blender and we're going to talk about it tomorrow. But he has been playing meaningful baseball and he's been a mentor to absolutely everybody in that clubhouse. And he is such a necessary presence. Is he a $20 million presence at this point? No, he's not. So I assume they decline it. I assume there's some sort of joint press conference the day after the regular season ends or two days after the regular season ends. Um, And and they'll determine next steps. I wouldn't be shocked if we just watched his final plate appearance at Great American Ballpark over the weekend. And it was so awesome to see the long standing ovation that he got. And I'm so curious to ask Walker about, you know, his favorite memories of Joey Votto because he grew up a Reds fan. And like Votto's been there since we were chillins and he was there since Walker Bueller was a child. Like it's insane how red focused this guy is. Um, And that I think is what puts him over the top. Give me the rundown on the numbers and I'll make my case. Well, first of all, Joey Votto debuted in 2007 as a 23-year-old and put up a 127 OPS plus, hit 321, OBP of 360, 548 slug. So he gave you a little bit of taste into what the incredible career of Joey Votto was going to look like. Then he finishes second in Rookie of the Year. Then... 22nd in MVP voting, then wins an MVP as an all-star. Finishes 6th in MVP as an all-star. Finishes 14th in MVP as an all-star. All-star, MVP, 6th place finish. Then, a little bit of a down year in 2014, but he was injured, only played 62 games. 3rd place MVP finish, 7th place MVP finish, MVP, 2nd place finish, multiple-time all-star in those couple of years, and then has taken a little bit of a dive since but again as you enter your age 35 season it's expected but overall in Joey Votto's career 295 batting average 409 OBP 511 slug to give him a 144 OPS plus all time but he is a first baseman only 356 career home runs he's known for this incredible slash line but I'm still wondering 
if the Hall of Fame voters, he's not 300, 400, 500, right? There have been a lot of guys who have similar numbers to Joey Votto who did not make it in, right? And at Great American Ballpark, it's also not that hard of a place to hit either. So let me give you this rundown. He's got a career 64-point war B-war. Or 64.4 B-War. I I was obsessed with saying war real quick. Um, Let me tell you who is sandwiched around him in terms of position players. Mm -hmm. Craig Biggio, Hall of Famer. Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer. Willie McCovey, Hall of Famer. Chase Utley, not a Hall of Famer. Mookie Betts will be a Hall of Famer. Dave Winfield, Hall of Famer. Billy Williams, Hall of Famer. I mean, Andrew Jones, not a Hall of Famer. Shoeless Joe, not a Hall of Famer. It's it's hard to compare across eras, but I will tell you that the amount of times that I just said Hall of Famer makes me think that this guy gets in. And the thing that puts it over the top for me personally is this guy has spent 17 years with the Cincinnati Reds. If he was on another team at any point in his career, I'd say, yeah, it's close. He's a first baseman. It's close. But there's something that the old heads and me I know. love about a guy being on one team for his entire career. And I'm willing it's, to admit that. It's so funny. I could already hear the people listening to this podcast being like, Jack, are you kidding me? Just because he played 17 years with one team. But you know who you're thinking like? A the voters. three year old Hall of Fame voter is going to be like, hey, he played all 17 years with the Reds. Like, that's great, man. My vote. Like, there are people who didn't vote for Derek Jeter and Ken Griffey Jr. and and all of these guys. Like, they're all weird, quirky guys, kind of like us, where we talk baseball for an hour every single weekday here on the Just Baseball Show. But just first basemen that are near him, the average of 24 Hall of Famers at the position. 65.0 war. He's right Joey there. 64.4. Right Couple guys right near him who are not Hall of Famers yet. Mark McGuire, who we assume will never get in. Steroids. Believe whatever you want. I think the reality is he's not going to get in. Todd Helton. And I think Todd Helton is his counterpart. That's why if he's not in... Do you think they're going to give the nod to Joey Votto? But guys like Harmon Killebrew, who have a 60.4 war, are in. Jake Beckley, 61.5 war. I mean, Freddie Freeman is going to get in the Hall of Fame. That's kind of awesome. But like Hank Greenberg is going to be in the Hall of Fame. George Sisler, David Ortiz, of course. But some of these guys had better offensive numbers. Some of them were 500 home run guys. Like Joey Votto is right on the brink of... He wasn't this crazy power hitter. He doesn't have the clean 300, 400, 500 slash line. He's not going to be a first ballot. He feels like a guy that sits on the ballot for six, seven years and finally gets in. That would be my prediction. But I think there's a boat of people who think, oh, Joey Votto, of course, he's a Hall of Famer. And then there's a boat of people who say, first baseman didn't even hit 400 home runs. No way he's a Hall of Famer. I think he is a Hall of Famer in his like sixth or seventh year on the ballot. I like that you bring up Helton because Helton is almost an exact comp. They play in the two most hitter-friendly ballparks in baseball. Um, Helton has the batting average edge. Both of them finished a little under 400 career homers. 
Um, the thing, and oh, by the way, 17 years with one team for Ty Hilton. He was a 17 year Rocky. Uh, <laughs> the old heads are in shambles right now. <laughs> what I will say is Todd Hilton never had an MVP to show for uh, him, and he never had a top four finish. He finished fifth in 2000, and that was it. But he was also in the same era as the steroid guys. So, like, I don't blame him necessarily for that. But we also have to think like a Hall of Fame voter where they're just going to the baseball reference page and looking at him and saying, you know what? There's an MVP finish. I wonder if they care about context because he's not in. They might care about context like that. They might. They should. I'm Uh, trying to think. I don't know. My mind's in a pretzel. Would you put him in the Hall of Fame? Yes. I would too. Okay. Should we talk to Walker Bueller? Let's talk to Walker Bueller. Let's get his take. Walker Bueller in front of the bourbon wall, back in Lexington, back at uh, the spot. And uh, that's magnificent. Congratulations on your backdrop. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Buffalo Trace is the majority of this wall but yeah we're doing pretty good so far 100 yeah, like you for all the people watching on youtube he has a big flat screen tv behind him as well but he's got more bourbon than tv and i think that thing's probably what 50 inches back there maybe 60 yeah it's a pretty good one it's a it's a decent decent size pace we're doing just fine um i'm going with the blantons because it's the last day of the minor league season so i was like you know what like i need it we'll we'll get her done and, and we'll be classy while doing so um Peter, you're going with what, Old Forester right now? I went with Old Forester. You know, Buffalo Trace, I think, has like a nice sweeter taste to it. But Old Forester feels like my beard is growing Mm. a little bit heavier. Like, it's just it. I think I like Old Forester when I'm talking ball. But when I'm just chilling and relaxing, Mm. I think a Buffalo Trace suits that a little bit better. But this is we we got some topics to talk about today. Joey Votto, your rehab, Old Forester. I like it. I like it. Before we get into that, how do you feel about my Bears? Any, like, sweeping takeaways there? I heard it's not going too well up there. Did you see nice. Taylor Swift, like, slapping the plexiglass in front of her? Yeah, Taylor Swift at the game today, I guess. That was that was big news, right? That was huge news. Um, and she watched a murder of my football bad. team. Yeah, Jack, it's a it's a little bit embarrassing when you got Taylor Swift, uh, Patrick Mahomes' wife, Jackson Mahomes, just screaming at your Bears as they're losing forty one to ten. But is it more embarrassing than the Broncos lost seventy to twenty? I'm not sure. It might. Be. Yeah, that was a lot of points. That was a lot of points. I also left. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name yet. He is a rookie, but Ashane or Ashani or whatever. Left him him on the left him on the bench today in the old fantasy league for 53 points. So dude, that was heartbreaking. How'd you how'd you know to snag that guy? I they said he put up 49 fantasy points, and I said, Who? Yeah, in our league it was 53.3. Damn. I uh I'm still gonna lose in my fantasy football matchup, even though I had Raheem Mostert, who had four Hmm. touchdowns. But guess who I started, Jack? Justin Fields. Fields. Yeah, he was great. He was awesome. Yeah, we're looking good. We're looking like we might win the uh, the Caleb off. So <laughs> yeah. we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, how you feeling, man? Like, obviously, we'll, we'll get into the Votto and we'll get into uh, Cy Young races. I, I do want to get your winners in, in each league on the Cy Young. But 
you know, obviously like this is the first time talking to you since we saw the news that you were, you know, shut down yep. for the rest of the year. Um, that was probably a decision that you guys had to think long and hard about and you and your wife and the rest of your family. And of course, Glaze and, and the rest of, you know, y- your crew over at Excel, like how tough was that decision? Why is that the right decision for you? Yeah. Uh, you know, we touched on it. I kind of did an interview in LA about it. And, you know, just when you don't recover, right. It's hard to, that's kind of not always been an issue for me and and to think about not recovering after pitching in a triple a game and then within a month be trying to throw in the playoffs it just it just didn't line up and and we were kind of trying to thread the needle and um you know in some ways do something that kind of really hasn't been done in terms of second tommy john come back and you know i was back on the field in in less than 13 months so um you know i think we did a lot of good things and and it just didn't didn't work out in the end and that's kind of part of it but now I got a another full off season to to kind of get back to where I want to be and and to try and get ready to to have a big year next year when was the moment you realized because you you know you were doing all of these rehab outings and you looked great like the fastball velo was excellent these hype videos were getting me fired up I'm just sitting (laughs) in my apartment just watching these with this incredible soundtrack and editing on top of it and you're like i'm like we're gonna see walker on the mound here but but then we hear the news and you had that meeting in la was it right after the last rehab start like when did that moment come to you yeah you thought, uh, you know obviously when you start a game or, or pitch in in general it's a couple of days that you're gonna be a little bit sore or, or whatnot and um that just kind of lingered in, in terms of we're three four days after and, and i didn't want to throw a bullpen and and then you just kind of snowball into it and then you look at the timing of everything and it just it um you know it ended up being if we were two days delayed then it didn't really make sense to be honest to to keep going and, and I kind of you know not the way that I want to or or obviously our team or our fans or whatever gotten to where I needed to get to but from a pure rehab perspective like I got back on the field pitched in a game faced professional hitters um yeah, you know, kind of it sucks, but also you kind of pack it in and, and get ready to to try and be, you know, who I think I can be next year. Hundred percent. So, how did that alter kind of the course of the off season at this point? Did you immediately enter kind of shutdown, or are you still, you know, like full systems go until you hit November one or something, and then you hit your shutdown period? What is the off? Yeah, season? we're we're kind of going through some. You know, I'm going to do some work with blood testing and all this kind of body optimization or whatever, and we're in kind of data collection mode on that. So here in the next couple of weeks, we'll probably, you know, get everyone on the phone and, and hopefully the guys are still playing. So, uh, but try and get everyone that's kind of involved in it and the people that I work with here and in LA and Phoenix and kind of put together the plan, I guess, but trying to, trying to be a little more uh, grown up about it, I guess, than I have been in the past. In terms of blood tests and data optimization, um, where can little leaguers go to do that? Yeah. Yeah, it's part of it, man. I, but you know what's funny is, is parents will go and do all these camps and lessons and all of that stuff. But, you know, I, I think at 17, 18 years old, had I, you know, known about that stuff, it probably, I probably wouldn't have been 160 pounds when I got to college and stuff like that. And, you know, I think that's, there, there's a lot of talented people. There's a lot of people that know how to play baseball, right? But, to do it at a, at a certain level. You talk about like a guy like Clayton Kershaw has never missed a full year. Like there's a certain amount of taking care of yourself and, and understanding your body that, that goes into that. And, and for me now, this being the second major surgery, 
you know, there, there's probably not going to be a third rehab for me. That's just probably not in the cards. So, um, you know, seeing what I can do in terms of kind of getting everything else checked off instead of, you know, just relying on being able to throw a ball, I think is, is going to be a big thing for me. And, and I'm kind of looking forward to, uh, you know, getting whatever knowledge we can. So I, I have two back-to-back questions and, and you, you, you kind of went into it, but I'm just genuinely curious, like, those data points that you're collecting, like just kind of explain that for our audience, because yeah. I'm sitting here being like, what the hell, what data points are we collecting here? Yeah. I'm working with this company called rapid and they have a few golfers and some UFC guys and, and whatever. And it kind of tests your body, see what's really bad for you. What's really good for you. What is different about my body? How do I sleep? How do, you know, basically everything I put in and everything that comes out of me, we're going to test in some way. And, uh, you know, just try and clean everything up, I guess. Obviously, you know, inflammation is is one of the biggest things that all of us, I know we all heard the TB12 and all of this stuff. And, uh, you know, obviously it's taken that to an extreme level that that we've kind of has been public. But, you know, I think there's a lot of guys that, that do some form of that. And, um, yeah, I'm in the, the data collection and testing phase of, of that whole deal. Gotcha. And my follow-up to that too, you said that this time around you're more grown up about it. What do you mean by that? No, I mean, you know, this is, this off season is interesting because it's probably the short or the longest one that I'll ever get. Right. Because, you know, I'm home, the season's not even over. So I'm trying to take a couple of weeks to try and get all my ducks in a row and, and, you know, try and do certain things weekly. I think for me, at least the freedom of the off season has always been, all right, I know what I need to do. Here's the, you know, I got to throw four days a week or six days a week or whatever point you're at. And and as long as I did that, it was kind of all good. Um, but now I just kind of want to get back into kind of a cleaner routine and, and more of a, um, I guess, data driven, but also, you know, sharper routine, I guess. Yeah. So that sharper routine includes golfing, watching football, because <laughs> you do have to enjoy the off season a little bit. Um, is the shoe room in Lexington or is it in Phoenix? Yeah, the shoe room's right back in there. It's right shoe behind us. There. Okay, so we what got, are you wearing? We got Bourbon Bar and we got the shoe room. Okay, got you. Who are you wearing? What are you wearing right now? You got any Shoes? good ones on right now? No, I, I'm straight barefoot. I'm at the house, Bubba. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also, I'm in I'm in pajama pants right now under, under the No, camp. we do. I do have all the cleats over here from that episode we did. They're still on the, some of the oh, cleats. I that. So, yeah, we've got some good ones over there. Sorry, I messed up the whole camera. <laughs> what's, like, let's say next year, Game 7 of the World Series, what's the go-to cleat? I got a, I got a couple months to work with Nike and design next year, so I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I, I, I probably am going to go back to – I would like to go back to the backward swoosh again, but we'll see if uh, if I get approved again for those. <laughs> Got you. I'm sure it's a very strict application process. I saw you got yeah. out to uh I saw you got out to LA to to see your boy Theo Vaughn. Um yep. was he doing stand-up out there? Was he at comedy store or something like that? Yeah, he was at the he was at the store. We uh we just ran into him and we went to dinner, my wife, my brother-in-law and I, and he was just in there. So um kind of said what's up and then I just went over and saw him saw him perform. He ended up driving me home, which was kind of funny, but um no, it's funny. He, I guess he was just out there doing all his podcast stuff, and I think he stops in to, to see everyone over there. So we had a good time. Gotcha. Theo Vaughn was your designated driver? Yeah, every once in a while. 
every once in a while. That's a pretty good one. Um, let's take you back to your Cincinnati roots, though. Um, we were talking right before we hit record. You're a Bengals guy. Bengals and Peters Rams at it tomorrow. Yep. Yeah, but- we're going to beat some ass. We're going to beat some <laughs> ass on Monday night. Yeah, that's that's a fact. Matt Nakua Stafford, and Tutu Virginia. at will. Doesn't matter. We got Stafford, best quarterback in the league. Joe Burrow's got to get his foot fixed. <laughs> Easy peasy. Um, <laughs> taking you back to your Reds fandom days as a kid, Joey Votto is on those teams, man. Like yep. Votto, we saw, and we just talked about it in the intro a little bit, and we had the Hall of Fame discussion, and, and we want your take on it. Votto had a massive ovation in his first plate appearance in what was possibly slash probably his final game as a red at Great American Ballpark. Um, And man, at one point, he literally said to the crowd, I got to go hit. That guy is loved in Cincinnati. He spent 17 years there. So yes or no question to start and then elaborate. Is Joey Votto a Hall of Famer? Yes or no. And what are your favorite kind of Joey Votto memories growing up? Yeah, I mean, I I think... In the general sense, the feeling is probably yes. I don't know if I've, I, I, I guess nowadays it's really about the numbers, but when you think about his height and, and what he did for a pretty extended period of time at a really high level, um, you know, I think it's definitely, he's going to get votes, right? It's just a matter of how many. And uh, the Hall of Fame thing's gotten just kind of weird because some, you know, some of these guys just aren't getting in that, you know, I think at least the generation that I watched growing up, you kind of like, oh yeah, he was one of the best players ever. And then, maybe not, or the numbers don't say, or the voting and, and whatever. So, um, but he's kind of out of that era where it, it's not a steroid thing. It's just a matter of, of what he actually accumulated, but yeah, you know, huge part of the teams that, that I watched growing up. And um, I know it means a lot to the city of Cincinnati. And, and for me, he was one of the, one of the weirder guys to face uh, when I first got to the big leagues. Cause he, I just, I watched him so much and um yeah, kind of a, a special character too. Obviously, some of the off the field stuff and the interviews and, and how he interacts. But uh, yeah, really beloved in Cincy, and I guess we'll see if he retires or not. But I know for some of those, for for a lot of guys, like being hurt the way he was this year might not be the way he wants to go out. So um, I know he's still a pretty productive player when he's healthy, and it wouldn't shock me if he didn't if he if he didn't or if he did play another year. Yeah, I have a I have a two parter on that one. Do you remember any specific ABs against Joey Votto? And then maybe if you don't remember specifics, just what made him such a difficult out? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the number, I walk him like almost every time I face him. I don't understand how it's like oh two. I I literally will be like oh two one two, and then I walk him every time. I don't know why, but um, no, I mean, I think he was he was one of the first guys that really in a while was like super, super selective. And that was kind of a, not always the thing. You see it a lot more now, guys like Max Muncy that have a lot of power that are also super selective, but he also did it at a really high average for a long time. So he was kind of doing, you know, everything you can do, getting on base, hitting with power, hitting for average. And um, yeah, he's just a, a special hitter. And, you know, I, I don't really know how to peg down why he was so different, but he just, it is the way he, he approached hitting, I think, has um, been adopted a little bit more now, but I think it was a, a different way to do it. And, you know, even the past three or four years, you've seen him kind of take a step back and just try and hit the ball really hard. And, and for a guy that age, that experience to kind of reinvent himself is, is pretty interesting. Real quick, Peter, uh, question for you. 
I've got the numbers, uh, Walker versus Joey Votto. He said, I walked him like pretty much every time I saw him, right? That's what you said? Yeah. How many times in 18 plate appearances do you think Walker Bueller walked Joey Votto? I'm going to go because Walker said he was getting him to 0-2-1-2, but Joey Votto's a damn good hitter. I'm going to say Votto went four for six with... No, 18 plate appearances. No, I know. Four for six with... Oh, wow. 12 or nine walks. walks. He was four for 14 with four walks. It's not every think, time, man. I'm yeah, trying to get Walker like, a little fired up over there. <laughs> well, I think I've, I think I've walked him like in every game I've faced him or something like that. It, I just, I feel like I walk him more than anyone else. I don't know why. Okay. He's kind of menacing in the batter's box. And, you know, I, I know obviously you think like, I'm going to kick this guy's ass, you know, with, with my pitches in the strike zone, pretty much with every guy you see. And, there are physical specimens that get in the batter's box against you every night, but Votto, like there's something about even 39 year old Joey Votto and like the way he's built and the upright stance that it's like, wow, this guy can hit a ball a really long way. And he changed the way he approached hitting in what 21, I want to say he had 39 pumps and 99 driven in. So this guy, his ability to adapt this late and obviously He's a weird dude, and that's why we love him. He's curious, and he delivers his points in a unique way, and that's why everybody wants to listen to Joey Votto. So in terms of that weirdness, do you feel like almost that weirdness helped him as a ball player? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, every guy copes with with whatever the pressure of being a Major League Baseball player different, and, um, you know, I think in some way for him that was, you know, I, I honestly don't know Joey very well, but from the outside looking in, like maybe that's the way that he copes with it. Right. Because he doesn't handle it like everyone else. So then he doesn't have to feel it like everyone else, I guess, you know, there, I've certainly played with guys that are, that are like that. And um, yeah, just kind of a, just a, a different kind of baseball player. I don't really know how else to explain it other than we just haven't seen many like him and, and probably won't again. Yeah. Was it ever weird pitching a great American ballpark because it's so tiny? It is small. And it, I mean, it is weird for me. I have so much family there still. And so it's all, there's just so many people. I never throw good there. Um, I don't like throwing there. It is what it is, but I've certainly been to, to a game or two there in my life. Yeah. Jump into Cy Young real quick with, with you. Let's start national league and then go to the American league. Cause I think, you know, you could say that both these races are put away and I, I want to see if your thinking is, kind of on par with that, or you think against that. And in the National League, I think the majority of the baseball fan believes that Blake Snell is the Cy Young winner. Now, there are certain checkpoints where he falls short of the mark, right? He's walked more guys than anybody else in the National League. He's gotten nine outs after the sixth inning. Um, Steele has won a ton more games. Um, I know what uh, Gallon has thrown way more innings. Um, and these guys are throwing in very meaningful ball games. And until nine games ago, the Padres were not playing meaningful ball games for the last couple of months. So do you firmly believe that Snell is the guy in the National League? Or do you think Steele or Gallen or I know some people still are on the Strider train? Do you, do you think these guys deserve some consideration? Wait, Walker, yeah, before, I mean, it, but just before you give your answer, Jack is a Chicago native, so he's pro Steele. <laughs> And the Padres are you guys' rival, and I'm always down to talk shit. So if we want to just bag on Blake Snell right now, like I'm, I'm game. I've had my old Forrester, right? My, we don't even my have to thought, be truthful. We can just talk my shit. My thought, my thought on that, real quick, is 
I just don't think that a Cy Young winner can walk five and a half guys per night. That's just my thought and like probably short-sighted and outdated and all that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, like the checkpoints for me have always been three ERA, sub one whip, like throw six innings to start. Like that's kind of just the stuff that you're trying to do. And, and largely, uh, you know, when you're not giving up many hits, like Blake doesn't give up a lot of hits. So if he walks guys, he walks guys. Now, obviously – those kind of go hand in hand with the innings or, or getting through the sixth and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, I think his numbers kind of speak for themselves in some way. Obviously the other guys have done different parts of it, but, you know, I think probably the whole um, picture says that it's probably Blake, but, um, you know, I guess I kind of grew up in the, you know, we talked about this with the 2021 race and, and kind of being a part of that and, it's just a different thing. You know, I grew up in the Cy Young guys watching Kirsch or looking at Kirsch's numbers. And it used to be throw 220 and have a two five and punch out 220. And, you know, now it's just kind of changed to where, you know, guys need to be as good, you know, it's kind of the quality quantity situation, but quality has definitely become something that, that is more hunted and more targeted as opposed to kind of doing good while you're, you know, getting quantity and it kind of is what it is. Do you think that change there came from Snell winning his first Cy Young and then Corbin Burns winning the Cy Young in 21? Um, I just think it's kind of how the game is played now. I, I think for me, the first time that I would ever remember thinking like this is different than it used to be is those Royals teams that had those three or four guys coming out of the bullpen every night where you, you kind of, I remember Cueto in the playoffs. It was like, Oh, he just has to get through five and then they win. Right. Like, that was probably the first step in that direction for me that I remember. But um, yeah, it's just, a, it's kind of a different game now. And, you know, going seven, eight is something that isn't expected anymore. It's kind of, Oh, he had a really, really big night. And, and, you know, I think you look into the pitch counts and hunting the punch out and things like that, like all those lead to starting pitchers throwing less innings. It just, it kind of is what it is as well as now not many guys are throwing sinkers, which was kind of the the starter pitch to get guys through six, seven, eight innings that they could throw 95 pitches, right? The Maddox stuff. And um, yeah, it's just, it, the game is changing in terms of what hitters are trying to do, what pitchers are trying to do to combat that. And um, so the the best in the league at this point at doing what the league wants is, is probably Blake Snell. And I feel that Blake Snell, because you know, they were both in this race down the stretch, right? Steele had a mid-two, so did Snell. But then Steele started struggling a little bit. It had a couple of blow-up outings. Yeah. But I felt that Blake Snell won the Cy Young was when he went into Dodger Stadium and threw those six shutout innings. So yeah. as you're getting another bourbon, I'm curious what your kind of takeaway was there. And do you think that was the moment? Because he's already faced you guys three times. I thought yep. that this was an opportunity for the Dodgers bats who have destroyed left-handed pitching all year to finally really get to Blake Snell. And he arguably had his best outing of the year in Dodger Stadium in Chavez Ravine. It wasn't at Petco at home right. in front of his home crowd. It was in front of a rowdy Dodger fan base. Right. I guess your takeaways from that start, and do you think that was the moment he kind of won the Cy Young? Yeah, I mean, I think if he goes and wins it, that's probably going to be the moment everyone talks about, right? I think 
first off, you're talking about he's pitched against us four times. Like it is different now with this new scheduling, right? Like I pitched against Colorado, my rookie year, seven times. Mm-hmm. I made seven starts against one team. I made 25 starts or something. So a third of them basically were against one team. So this new scheduling thing is different. Also, Blake has thrown really well against us kind of forever. Obviously, the World Series stuff. But when he's been in San Diego, he's been really good against us. He's kind of been the guy that he has been this year against everyone against us for a few years. And, um, you know, the guys want to sign on before. And, like, you know, I don't think any of it is surprising. I just – I think the interesting thing or the thing that is catching people off guard is, like, you know, a lot of people pick San Diego to beat us this year and they've kind of had a down year, but now they have a Cy Young guy. It's always kind of been like the opposite of that, I guess. So, uh, you know, he's put together a great year and, you know, somebody's going to win it. And, and I would imagine it's him. I was kind of rooting outside of our guys and, and not having like a guy in that. I mean, Kirsch has had a great year. It's just the numbers, right? They're the, yeah. the quantity, but, um, you know, Gallon is a buddy of mine. So I would have liked to see him kind of, finish it out i know i know he threw either yesterday or today through pretty good so yeah he's uh, awesome. shout out today dominated my yankees like put yeah. him in his back pocket yeah that's exactly yeah, what he's a he's a fun guy to watch i like watching him throw a lot well and you've said that you feel like he's probably the most similar to you of guys that are kind of at the top of their game in major league baseball right now and and we talked about that kind of pitch by pitch and and the way he goes about it He's got one more start left in the tank. It's going to be high leverage because it's going down to the wire in the wild card. And this guy's going to get over 200 innings with a mid threes. And he's 16 and eight right now. Uh, and he's walking two guys per nine. He's striking out more than a hitter per inning. So he, he's kicking ass. Um, Snell, he starts today, Monday. Um, if he does start in the regular season finale, that gives him the chance to get over 180 innings. He's got 174 right now. Yeah. So that's where we're at in baseball, which is bizarre. But, you know, real quick, like what you've seen from Gallon over the last bit, because obviously he and Kelly are going to be the thing that gets them into the wild card in this final week with their starts, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. If they do that, it's going to it's going to take both of those guys, obviously, and, uh, piecing it together. I know they went and got Seawald, I guess, with the deadline. So that's that was a move that kind of shows you what they're trying to do and, and kind of shoring up the back end. but. Um, yeah, they got an interesting team in, in Arizona. A lot of young, you know, a lot of talent, a lot of young talent. And um, I think they're probably feeling like if one of their r- rookie starting pitchers would have really hit, they would be in there kind of for sure, right? So um, trying to put those pieces together, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's gonna, I mean, it'll be an interesting race on, on a lot of these teams. There's still a lot of guys that uh, or a lot of teams that are still involved, right? I saw something, the Giants still have like a 1% chance or whatever it is, but, you know, some wild stuff can happen. You never really know. I got to admit, I love Zach Allen, but Merrill Kelly fires me up. He's just <laughs> like, he's this like, he looks like he's 35 years old. He looks kind of like a men's league guy, but then he's just throwing 93 mile an hour two seamers and sinkers and four seamers and like nobody ever hits him. And then you blink and you wake up and it's the seventh inning and he's allowed one run. Like, I've never understood, like, what is the mentality facing a guy like Merrill Kelly? Obviously, you got, you're you not in the box, but when Merrill Kelly travels into Dodger Stadium, I assume you guys are treating it like this guy has been at least close to, maybe not an ace, but a high-end number two now for a couple of years. Like, the Dodgers as a whole have to have a lot of respect for a guy like Merrill Kelly. Yeah, I mean, I, I've certainly seen him throw really, really well. Um 
I think we've done a pretty good job with them. That's what I was going to say. Uh, you guys so I, in particular have kind of, yeah, I, well. I think my, like kind of what I've watched in person might be a little biased just because we've done pretty well with them, but um, they're kind of an interesting story. We went to uh, Asia somewhere, Korea or Japan. Or something. KBO, yeah. Um, you know, kind of reinvented himself somewhat. And, uh, you know, we talk about pitch separation and all that stuff all the time with certain guys. And he's, he's kind of one of the only guys that does it the opposite where everything's pretty close and it just kind of kind of how Lance Lynn does it where it's like 83 to 93 and everything moves every which way. And um, yeah, those two guys are probably the two that do that the most efficiently, I would say. So um, he's an interesting guy to watch because it, it doesn't really, you know, there's not 98 in there and then, but there's also not 78. It's all like mid eighties, low nineties, and it goes every which way. And, and you'll see some of, you know, the best hitters in baseball not really know what to do with all that. I was going to point to Lance Lynn, but I think all three of us know that Bartolo Colon's still doing that somewhere in the DR. <laughs> like, oh, that was that was more just one pitch, wasn't it? I, no, I think it was like he threw a cutter, a four seamer, a two seamer. Somehow his two seamer sinker were distinct. But he yeah. also Bartolo also threw a hundred at one point, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. a different thing when you kind of establish yourself as as the guy that Merrill has at you know, best bolt, whatever it is, you know, mid, mid, low nineties. Bartolo Colon threw a hundred. He did. Yeah. <laughs> a young Bartolo. He threw a hundred. It was hard. hard. Threw really hard. American league. This guy throws hard. It's Coles. I think yeah. Um, you've got all these guys in Seattle having really solid years. Luis Castillo has looked freaking nails, dude, which yeah. has been so much fun to watch for them. Um, you know, you also have Kevin Gosman throwing his ass off, but he's had a couple of blow-ups here and there mm-hmm. in Toronto. It's Cole against the field, and I, I assume it's Cole. We've talked about Cole. We've talked about his fastball, and we've just kind of dissected sequences for him. Mm-hmm. And this guy can be utterly dominant. And in a year where, you know, Aaron Judge just told the Athletic, if I'm not talking to you after a championship, this season is a bust. So I guess at a year where it was busted for the Yankees, Cole is still – I'm sorry – but Cole is still going to run away with the Cy Young here. You've got the best pitcher maybe in baseball this year in Garrett Cole. So what's your kind of take on what you've seen from Cole this year and just over the course of his career? Yeah, I mean, I guess first off, you don't make, you don't sign a $300 million something contract if you're not pretty good at what you're doing, right? So I think the fact that, I think this would be his first one, right? He's kind yeah. of been in those, he's been in there a lot, but uh I, I was actually kind of shocked when I heard that he had won one, but um, yeah, just he does what starting pitchers are supposed to do, right? I think he's a little bit more of a throwback in terms of he's going to throw almost 200 innings or just over it, and he'll punch 250 and, and kind of post every day. And uh, you know, I know a lot of people respect the fact that he just throws every year and, and kind of goes about his business the right way. And uh, obviously, not the year they kind of wanted in New York, but as you said, kind of a, a shining spot for them is, is him winning one. I know he would he would trade that for yeah. going to the playoffs in a heartbeat. Obviously, he's done a lot of big stuff in the playoffs. And, um, you know, his time in Houston was kind of – everybody knew Garrett Cole because of because of what they were doing as a team and, and where he was performing in, in those spots. So um, kind of an interesting year for him to win one, but uh, I think he'll probably take it home. 11 yeah, years – Real quick, 11 years in the big leagues. This guy's finished top five in Cy Young voting six times now, right. including this year. And he's finished second twice. So this would be. Right. 
yeah, yeah I mean, I, it is what it is. Yankees are wasting the primes of Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole as a Yankee fan. It's very nice <laughs> to see. When you're making a top pitchers in baseball list, because when we're talking about the Cy Young, right, we're a bunch of nerds. We love ranking guys. Garrett Cole's reliability, the strikeout stuff, the 200 innings every fifth day. I assume Clayton Kershaw would be at the top of your list of top five starters, and maybe you'd be number yeah. two. But is Garrett Cole kind of when you're looking at the rest of the starting pitchers in the league you need a guy for a season is cold the top of your list yeah i mean i think just every year everybody kind of gets older right so we're kind of getting to the point where scherzer verlander are, are kind of like cole is now what verlander and scherzer were five years ago right like yeah. it's just veteran guys that have done it for a really long time and done it at a really high level and um yeah, I think Kirsch is certainly up there just for me witnessing it. It'd be hard for me to say if I had one game, I'd want anyone else but him to pitch it, right? But, um, you know, I, I guess we kind of already touched on it, but, you know, people don't sign for 300-something million if they're not really good at what they do. And um, Garrett, you know, certainly has earned that that contract and, and continues to because he's it's not like, Oh, now he signed the big deal and he's just throwing 140 innings and taking two months and, and doing whatever, right? He's going and posting and and that's what you're supposed to do. And and he's doing it at a really, really high level. We we asked Pitching Ninja this question. I really wanted to ask you as well. Um, who do you think is going to win this Cy Young in the next couple of years that maybe isn't in the race right now, right? You could say Zach Allen, of course. Yeah. You could say Justin Steele, who are going to finish 1-2, and you could say Gosman and Castillo, Sonny Gray. We've talked about him plenty on this mm -hmm. show. Who's a guy, because he mentioned Brandon Woodruff. He talked mm -hmm. about a couple other guys. Who do you foresee maybe the 2025-2026 Cy Young, maybe in the American um, League last week? I think Max Freed is somebody that we probably don't talk about a ton. Obviously, he keeps getting the blisters and stuff. And um, but the years when he's healthy and, and pitching, and obviously we've seen him a lot in the playoffs. Like he's got, you know, he's a special, special talent. Um, I think the Kirby kid from Seattle, maybe we could be talking about at some point. Um, just with the control, it feels like he could, he can be really consistent if he kind of figures everything out. I guess, but. Um, the, the kid in Miami, I think, is is one that we're going to be watching for a long time. Lazardo or Yuri Perez? Yuri Perez. Uh, Perez would be the one that I was I was talking about. Lazardo is obviously super yeah. super talented as well, but you know it's hard because you you talk in and I'm in this kind of category too, where guys that have been around three, four, five, six years and haven't like it's hard to say like you know I'm not coming up with anything anything new, right? Max has kind of been in those conversations a lot, but um. Yeah, Perez is a guy I think if he can get to that 160, 180 inning mark, um, he's just extremely talented. I think Strider, um, you know, I know this year he's been a little plagued by the home run home run ball, but he's going to punch out, you know, damn near punch out 300. So um, that's kind of not not something everyone can do. Obviously, you know, baseball's kind of changing. Guys are throwing hard. Guys are throwing a lot. And um there's just a lot of talent. So you don't really know it's going to be the guy that can put together 30 games in a row and, and not necessarily, you know, I think that's kind of the misconception on the Cy Young. It's not necessarily like who the best guy is. It's who put together the best 32 starts that didn't have, you know, four horrible ones that screwed him. Right. 
I want to wrap with Kershaw. 7.6% walk rate, the highest since 2010 when he was 22 years old. I'm sure yeah. you've kind of confronted him about that and told him to snap into gear, right? Oh, awesome. yeah. Yeah, I text him all the time and tell him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love you're like, I want to wrap with Kershaw. His walk rate concerning. <laughs> Even though I think this he's got like a 2.5. He's a fucking freak, dude. Like, he's got a career 2.48. He's got a 2.42 this year. He's thrown 126 innings. He's back from nagging injuries that feel like they're apparent every year. And this guy is flawless. He's like the best left-hander of all time. And I know like the old heads are going to say. like he is. Like everyone keeps floating this as if there's like a real debate to it. It, it, I don't know if it's necessarily super close. I mean, I don't know. What about about Lefty Grove? I've got Sandy Koufax on line one. That's the argument. I've got Koufax on line one. Look at the amassing of the numbers, right? It's just a different thing. Sandy, obviously, for time, you know, a period of time, there's never been anyone better for four or five, six years. But, you know, Clayton's done it for for a long time now and done it at a high level in L.A. for a long time. Like, he's just as good as there – he's as good as there's ever been. There was a great feature on him, and I'm blanking on the author, but I will find it um, while you while you chat. But, I mean, this guy has adapted the way he pitches over the course of his career, and we've seen so many different iterations of Clayton Kershaw. And it feels like this year we're seeing a different iteration of Clayton Kershaw. And he's somehow figured out a way to get through six scoreless innings in 2008, or, well, 2080 at a 4-2, but uh, 2009 right. and... 2023 and he's done it every single fucking year he's incredible where do you feel like this iteration of Clayton Kershaw is like what has he changed that maybe when you came up you didn't necessarily see from Kersh yeah I mean I I think everyone wants to say that and I think like I kind of get the sentiment of it but I also don't like I don't agree that he's really changed a whole lot with everyone that keeps saying that right it's still fastball slider occasional curveball like attack setters doesn't walk many guys obviously this year it's a little bit up but like for his career he's gonna walk three percent of hitters or something like that like he's not a guy that walks a bunch of guys and yeah he, he throws four split change-ups a game now like and everyone's talking about he reinvented himself like since i've been in la it's been 89.93 with a slider high level com- you know highly competitive gets out of jams like it's been the same guy and it just so happens that the guy he is, is, you know, a two, four, eight career RA. Like, I think I, I truly feel like Clayton would throw exactly the same way he does. If he did his whole thing over again, he would do exactly the same thing. Like he just, it's all he knows how to do. He does it correctly. He does it the right way. takes care of himself. He's throwing a lot of innings, he's throwing a lot of big games. He's got a lot of really, really good hitters out a lot of times. Like he just, you know, I think it's hard to say anything other than he's just he's really, really good at, at pitching. And so uh, whenever he's healthy enough to be out there and feels like he can get guys out, like I know our organization and, and all of us are, okay, cool. Like, go get everybody out. It is what it is. It was what's your guy your, Fabian with The Athletic, by the way. What's your favorite thing that you learned from Clayton Kershaw? Um, I think – I think pitching wise, we're just different enough. I think I'm kind of spray pattern in terms of trying to figure out how to throw every single pitch. And and he has this kind of consistent stuff that he does, but 
you know, the confidence in, in how he goes about his business. I think I don't really want to like get too deep into it, but like the way he scouts there, there, there's a lot of uh, confidence in the way that he scouts and doing what he knows how to do. And, um, but then humble enough to kind of adjust if he has to. Right. And um, yeah, I think, you know, I couldn't have asked to, to play with anyone older than me, you know, that was better for me to be around, but in terms of, you know, put my foot here and, and lift my leg this way, I, I don't think those are really the things that, um, you know, we talk about as much. I, I know, oh, you know, you're senior in high school or freshman in high school, like, yeah, you're going to talk about your swing and all that stuff. But, you know, I think at, at that level and, and being in the big leagues, it's more about like, how can you be more consistent? How can you work a little bit better? How are you living? Where You know, where are you guys living in Phoenix? Like that's the stuff that you learn from the older guys in terms of how to be a big leaguer more than, than how to be a baseball player, I guess. Yeah, kind of unfortunate that you didn't give us the deep, dark secrets into Kershaw in case Jack and I <laughs> want to make a shot at the bigs. I mean, I'm in my athletic prime. So is Jack. I don't think it's going to help you too much, buddy. Are you sure? I mean, I just need a Not little. That, Dude, I was in the low eighties in high school. All I need, I just need some secrets. I threw the football around for 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm sore. I'm so screwed, dude. I can't. Happen. It happens. Um, by the way, I've talked to a lot of pitchers in AAA that um, say they want to throw a football in the offseason because mm-hmm. it's the most athletic form of throwing. That's my last question for you. Like, Have you ever kind of heard that idea? Like it gets you back to the purest form of, of throwing, throwing a football? Yeah, I mean, a, we, a lot of us throw football in spring or um... – I've done it late in seasons before just to try and get moving a little bit. Um, you know, at some point you've played catch for nine and a half straight months with a baseball, right? Like sometimes you want to just feel a little something different. And, um, you know, I think tricking your body in that way is a, is a big thing. And, and I know a lot of guys that have have benefited from it or, or feel like they do. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of kind of subjective stuff that goes into pitching, right? It's like, how you feel doesn't always mean you're going to be good. If you feel horrible, you can be really good. You can feel great and be awful. But sometimes late in the year, you got to kind of trick your mind a little bit. Have you ever contemplated earthing, like becoming one with the soil? No. Foot? No. Not my thing, man. You should try it. Yeah. Why? Worked for Aaron Rodgers. He's like 50 oh, years old. Oh, yeah. Ago. I mean, well, yeah, okay. bad time to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but... would, that was a bad one. It happens. <laughs> Before we let you go, uh, Bengals are a two-point favorite at home against the Rams. Who wins? Walker Bengals or Peter Apple's Rams? Rams. I'll ride with my guys. Okay. That was not a confident answer. As long as Joe Burrow plays, I'll ride with the Bengals. There we go. All right. Walker Bueller, uh, Nostradamus, and a great guest on the Just Baseball Show and a great guest host all season long. Uh, we look forward to chatting with you uh, all off season as you work your way back to the Hill. Appreciate you, man. See you. That was Walker. Walker's the man. As always, appreciate the honesty. Appreciate the bourbon. It was Blanton's for me today, and I had a great time doing that. Peter, take us out, bub. Absolutely. So if you enjoyed this episode, if you'd be so kind as to rate and review this podcast five stars, whether that be on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching us on YouTube and you enjoyed, hit the subscribe button. We got plenty more coming at you, as well as hit us with a like. And how about a comment? Did you disagree? What about Joey Votto? You think he's a Hall of Famer? Let us know in the comment section and get yourself some Just Baseball merch. Why not? I'm rocking a hat. 
Jack's Rock and Apollo. They're all available on our merch store. You can find them in the episode link description. And that's it. We'll be back tomorrow. Remember, we're doing the entire wildcard thing tomorrow. That's Jack. I'm Peter. Hopefully everybody enjoyed the conversation with Walker. And with that, thank you. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.